0: Morning guys, that sounded so beautiful, like few people but it sounded amazing, have you ever wondered what God thinks of our singing? I think he loves it, you should have seen Desmond from the front, it was awesome, he had the vein going, it's It's so cool, and trust me that doesn't happen often, so it was wonderful to see Acts chapter 2, let's go. It's nice to have you. Um, If you need any prayer for any miracles, call Eric. Because he prayed for the Raptors last Sunday, and we are in the finals. For the first time ever in the history of the franchise. Yeah, of the 24 years. And I think it's only because of Eric's prayer. Yeah, and it was just like a fleeting prayer. Imagine if he's like serious, right? Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> All right. So, guys, I'm going to just say something before I start to speak today that I'm going to try and preach through the book of Acts, and uh, whoever else is going to speak, he's speaking through the book of Acts, um, as if, as if I'm, I'm preaching to people who have never heard the gospel before, Okay. So, if this is old hat for you, it's okay, then you just flow in it, you function in it. but i really um i don't know if it's prophetic or tokenistic or whatever it is, but it's with intention that I am so aware so almost burdened for the for the for the for the for the unsaved in our cities that um it's it's, it's a it's a huge deal um, and um um Sarah was talking to me this week uh. I went around we were having a meeting one Thursday night and she was telling me about um, she came out of surgery and she was in the waiting, waiting room recovery room and she saw a couple and she became aware of the spirit of God on this couple Jan was there when she told the story and, um, and she, as she became aware of the, of the spirit of God on the, of the Holy Spirit on this couple she actually mustered up she was so compelled that she went over there and she said to them hey guys She had come out of major surgery, but her husband had fallen asleep on her shoulder. I think they were just exhausted. And she said to them, I don't know what you guys believe, but the Holy Spirit is on you and around you. And the angels of God is surrounding you. And she just did that. She just did that. I told the other guys the other day I was at gym about a month ago and I was just minding my own business on the treadmill and there was a guy in front of me and I looked at him and I was, I was overwhelmed with this compelling thing you know, and I'm not a weirdo because a gym is like my space you know like you know just mind your own business and kind of thing but I became so aware of this guy it's just like God what so, uh, so I felt the Holy Spirit say to me "Go, just go and ask him if he's okay I was like are you serious? Now I've got this conversation going on in my head. Are you okay? What about like, your daughter's name is Rachel and she's gonna be okay. That's more, that's cooler. Not, are you okay? Like, yes, I'm okay, are you okay? You know, like. Anyway, I, I, I was on the bicycle and the guy got off the treadmill and, he, and I couldn't get my foot out the, the straps of the bike. <laughs> but, I, but I did, so I kind of ran after the guy, you know, it's like so embarrassing. Took my earphones out, I said, hey, Are you training for something? That's what I said. I was like, I cannot say, are you okay, God? I just can't do it. I said, are you training for something? Because you're working really hard, I've I've noticed. It's like, um, no, no, I'm not training for something. I'm like, are you okay? I felt like such an idiot. This guy is ripped. He's a machine. He's like a specimen of perfection. It's a bit like Frank, actually, but younger. physique wise and he turns to me and he looks at me and I could see he processed this super quickly he frowned and he burst into tears like a cartoon (laughs) he said my wife left me last week for my best friend I was like okay that's a lot of information right there (laughs) Uh, what now Jesus now I'm acting like I didn't know but my heart was just overwhelmed with compassion I was like how random how shotgun how just are you okay My wife left me last week. Okay, what do I do now? And I said to him, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to say to him, Jesus loves you, it's going to be okay. But he does. I said, I'm so sorry, man, I'm I'm so sorry. So how are you dealing with it? And he says, I come to gym two, three times a day. I was like, dude, there's another way of processing this stuff. He says, says, what, find him and kill him? I'm like, no. There's another I'm like, no, there's another way. There's another way. But i tell you what, I didn't want to talk too much to this guy. I said, i tell you what, I will commit to pray for you. That's all I said to the guy, right? And he looked at me. He's like, okay, thanks, man. And I said, bye. <laughs> I walked off. The next time I was there, Jim, he ran up to me. He said, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, I'm fine. How are you doing? Are you, are you processing it well? He's like, what do you mean, process it well? You've got to tell me what you mean. Right? <laughs> so I said to him my go to in in everything in life is God and I I just don't know how to process things in any other way but but God and guys let me tell you something we're going to read about the Holy Spirit today okay Acts 2 Acts 2 is like the chapter about the Holy Spirit I'm going to make it super practical and I'm going to demystify the whole thing as if none of you know Jesus so that at the end of this all you want the Holy Spirit more than anything else Okay? And, 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 and the reason I told these stories to you is because I know there are other people here that have encountered people this week. Tom told me a story of a guy he encountered, actually at the very same gym. And others, I'm sure that you encounter people, encounter people. And my, my prayer for the Holy Spirit, and so often when we speak about the Holy Spirit, because we come from so many paradigms, everything from Anglican to the Word of Faith movement to the Pentecostal movement and everything else that you can ever get mixed into that. And everybody had their slant or their perspective of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to remember this one thing. I believe that Jesus poured out His Spirit on His disciples to empower them for the mission. I really believe it. Is it an encounter? Definitely. Are there times where I can literally not move because of the weight of God's glory, which we call the Holy Spirit on me? Definitely. Are there times where God convicts me of sin? Definitely. Definitely. But the power of the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples very specifically in Acts chapter 2. So when we're sitting in waiting rooms and hospitals, when we're in drive-thrus, when we are in restaurants, when we're sitting behind our desks at work, wherever we live, move, and breathe, He is living in us and wants to find expression through us. That is the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if we do not live in line with that reality, there's no outflow to the inflow, and we basically become the stagnant, dead sea where nothing lives. You know that. Everybody floats, but nothing lives in that water. We want to be those even if we have a little to give it away. A little, we give it away, we give it away. And it just comes through that awareness every day. That's how we're taking our city. We have to take our city. That mission will never go away, guys. Once this building is completely done and it's perfection, we have new windows, the basement's done, everything's done, we have every technology, what then? We need those who do not know Jesus to flood through this place and stay in this place. There's only one thing that's ever going to enable us to do that. The enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. That's why we want it. We don't want it only so we can fall over or only so we can encounter and feel very emotional. Those things are legit. For sure, a legit move of God. Those encounters are absolutely real. But if they do not empower us so that when we're walking and we're in a restaurant, we walk in and we feel the Lord say, I would like for you to maybe, if you can, pay for this bill of this person, anonymously, or whatever scenario you can think of, because the Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is an encourager. So if you feel anything discouraging, 9999 percent I can say 100%, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. So Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Which means if we we think the Holy Spirit is enabling us to form objective opinions about people, objectifying them, and putting them in categories based on their failures and faults, then we are still not living in the empowering mode of the Spirit of God. Okay. And sorry, I said I was going to pray to the, un- preach to the unsaved, but there I went again preaching to the church. But you know what I mean. So let's read it. Acts chapter 2. I'm, I'm not going to do the whole, the whole chapter. Um, so I'm just going to go until Peter stands up and addresses the crowd and mighty way, so I'm just going to speak from verse 1 to 13. Are you ready? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from the heavens and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, I want to stop there. So there was about 120 of them together in this room, which they called the upper room. It was basically just a lounge the lounge was upstairs and there was an additional staircases up to the roof. And those Middle Eastern homes had open roofs where you could sit and have a falafel and a glass of grape juice and chill on the roof. So the place was, 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 was packed with, with these disciples who were just waiting there. Uh, they were so, they were, remember as Eric preached last week, it was so amazing. They were, they, so the four Gospels are not complete. And Luke took it upon himself to write to Theophilus, his best mate, or one of his best mates, this encounter, what Jesus did and continued to do. So with this, it, 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 it frames where they're at. So they're all waiting for this, what Jesus uh, promised to the disciples. He said to them, don't leave Jerusalem, guys. So this is Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He's now alive. The world is an uproar about the reality because he's appeared to more than 500 people at this point, and he walks through the wall, and he stands and talks to them and teaches them and encourages them, and... This is them waiting for Jesus to pour out what He promised, the Holy Spirit. Now, they had, they, they had come, become familiar with the Holy Spirit for sure because of Jesus. Okay, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the members of, of the Trinity of God, the triune, um, always deferring to one another in love, rhythmic dance of what we call God. We have God, the Father who is who's. who's seated in in heaven and rules and reigns. We have the Son who became like you and I and and came onto this this world and lived and then paid his life for us to to be free and saved and to have a relationship with the Father. And then we have the Holy Spirit. So these disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were all together in one place, the sound of a mighty wind. Now there are two other times where fire came down from heaven. One was Moses on Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the law. A pillar of fire. The other one was a pillar of fire with a temple of Solomon. It came with a pillar of fire and the presence of God was so tangible that no one could stand. And this is the third measuring of a of fire coming in. But this time it's different. It's not one pillar. It breaks it's just like a fire and then it breaks in and comes to rest on each one's head. So above each one, you could just see it in your mind's eye. Yeah, you could picture it completely. There's Grandma Mary standing and the fire is just burning above her hair. It's not consuming her beautiful gray hair but it's burning. And it's a clear picture that the Holy Spirit is not given through one medium, but now the church is no longer a building. We are the church of Jesus Christ, every one of us. So wherever we go, we have the Spirit of God within us if we are followers of Jesus and disciples of Jesus. If you are unsaved, does that make sense to you? Anybody? So the whole house where they were sitting was shaken. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the sun because it was the Passover. And it was a massive festival. And everybody was in Jerusalem. The food was unbelievable. I can only imagine and they were coming to celebrate the feast of, of Passover when, when, when the angel of death, when they were slaves in Egypt, passed over the houses of those who took a lamb and the blood and smeared it on their doorposts. Very significant is this time as Jesus enters Jerusalem to become that very lamb that Jews took and slaughtered the blood with hyssop, which is a herb, and painted on the doors of their hearts, in this case the door of their houses. Now Jesus is coming to fulfill. This is what we call prophecy in the, in the scriptures. He's coming to fulfill this reality. And so the sound came. Uh, and so all these people heard. And when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment. Bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, "Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them?" in his own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, the Portuguese, the Greek, the Italians, the English, the Dutch, the French, the Nigerians, and everybody who came in the Moroccans, Pontus in Asia, Prigia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, but Jews and converts of Judaism, Christians, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, so they were utterly amazed in verse 7. Again in verse 12, they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. You know, the significance of this day is, is huge. Um, in, in the North American calendar, it's always good to, to bring things closer to a context. In 1904, there was an outpouring of the Spirit, as they called it. The, the, they, some, some people called it the new Pentecost, actually, uh, it, was, it happened in Los Angeles in a little church, a very small little church called the uh, Isuza, on Izusa Street. Uh, it was called the Isuza Street Revival. And most of what has happened in North America, as far as the move of God is concerned, uh, in those who, who loved and have cultivated the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has come from this Izusa this Street. So we can historically track it back to Izusa Street, 1904. But we can, we can totally trace it all the way back to, to Jerusalem thousands of years ago. And that's what we're doing, doing here. And uh, for me to effectively explain this, this chapter, I have to go back into the Gospels a little bit, which I'm going to do. So 1 John 29 verse 32, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is him. So John came with a baptism of water. So John was Jesus Christ's forerunner. He was his cousin. And he came before Jesus saying, guys, the kingdom is coming. Repent and believe. Right? Repent and believe. The kingdom is coming, which means think differently. You've been enslaved for so many years. You've been oppressed for so many years. There's a kingdom that's coming. The kingdom is coming. He's talking to the Jews who were anticipating this reality. So it stirred something that was generationally and passed on from generation to generation in their spirits. And they, were, they became awakened. To the, to the fact that they need to think differently. Not as much lament and ball, but, hey guys, there's a new kingdom coming, the Messiah is coming, I must think differently, and be baptized. So you baptize them in water. Baptism in a very, very simple way, there's lots of depth of baptism, means that you, if I, like if we, like when we had the baptisms in the back here, we've got quite a bunch in the back here, we'd love to have hundreds and hundreds maybe in the back here, um, in the future to come, you have to, firstly, when we we lead the people into the pond, I remember uh, uh, when it was minus and we had to chip the ice off the top of it, I asked, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And they said, yes. Will you follow Him all the days of your life? And they said, yes. And I said, based on your confession of faith, your confession of faith, which means you absolutely trust me, you trust Jesus. It's not that I'm any special, anybody can baptize. I now take your body, I take your body, and you give me like for that while the control of your body and I submerge you under the water which is a a symbol a prophetic symbol that you surrender completely the body to absolute submersion under the water in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit so we push the people under there be times where the guy's hand comes up or the leg comes up in Africa lots of times people don't know how to put their head under water they're deadly afraid so I take them by the head I pinch their nose shut and everything must go under We actually had a teaching that says if anything sticks out, that means that something can stay behind. So make sure everything is submerged. But the significance is there must be the willing yieldedness to the baptizer. In the Gospels, if you you trace the Gospels, there are various miracles and stories of what Jesus did in the history. There's one miracle. There's one story, the feeding of the 4,000. Only one of all the many, many, many that are consistently through all four Gospels. But one statement that is in every one of those gospels multiple times is that John said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is coming and be baptized. And then he says, behold, the Lamb of God, it's in every gospel, who takes away the sin of the world. I baptize with water, which is a sign, but he will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that baptism comes from Jesus in every one of the Gospels, preempts it and praises it and sets it up on a platform for us here for the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Jesus is the one who pours out His Spirit upon us, pours out the Holy Spirit and fire. That word fire is actually, gosh, Johnny, he can help you with this, the Hebrew word for love. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with love. That love is often referred to as a consuming fire, an all-consuming fire. You know, so it's not the judgment of God, it's the love of God. Woo! Everybody awake? So, Acts 2, climax, all four Gospels. John, uh, the that's with Um All this. Okay. Luke 13. Luke 13 makes, makes the whole thing of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just say to you, if you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit... As believers, now I'm speaking to the church right now, believers, those who say that they're followers of Jesus Christ, this is not a once-off event. In the book of Acts, there are significant times where the church was refilled with the Holy Spirit, like filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a very, very simple thing. And in and, 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 and Luke 11, it says, who of you, though you are evil, it says, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, we'll give him a stone. If your daughter asks you for a piece of fried bacon, we'll give her a scorpion or a snake. None of you will do that. How much more our Heavenly Father will give us the Holy Spirit if we ask Him? So it's a matter of, yes, I, can, I, I desire this, I want this. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Okay? My car does not drive on uh, Wish Me Lux. It does not drive on my adamant desire for it to drive when the gas is finished. Okay? Not even Frank's car drives when the battery's done. Okay? There's nobody that can drive on a car that is fueled by anything if the fuel is out. No different to us. If we... Paul speaks about it in in great detail in in the Corinthian letters and in Ephesians and in Romans about the, 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 the flesh and the spirit and that the flesh has desires that are very real because of our Adamic nature. Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God and the Adamic nature, the sinful nature when we come into Christ that sinful nature is dealt with so our encouragement is always to stop and be filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit daily daily filled with the Holy Spirit and your ritual might be whatever your ritual is some people need to stop and lift their hands and say Holy Spirit fill me and become aware of His presence and they are filled okay my encouragement to you would be stop slow down take the time take the time to do it create the space I'm going to make a t-shirt create space for sure so the Holy Spirit is um, uh, so, the, so the Father gives the Holy Spirit freely to those who just simply asks for it so if you want the Holy Spirit ask for it and He'll give it to you years ago in South Africa we ran the Alpha Course um, for many many years and to this day the Alpha Course is still running in the community that we started in 1995 and so many of the weekends in the middle of the Alpha course we have the Holy Spirit weekend we go away on the Holy Spirit weekend every single time I get nervous I don't know why I'm like what if the Holy Spirit doesn't come so you have all these people I remember the first Alpha course we ran we had 800 unsafe people 800 do you know how scary that is and all the Holy Spirit is hinging on you because you said he was going to come and there we were at this massive campsite The Saturday night, we'd watch the videos of the Holy Spirit, I was just soaking it up. It's so amazing. And all I literally did, Luke 11, 13, if you want the Holy Spirit, ask for it. I said, okay, guys, I'm going to pray now. The Holy Spirit's going to come. If you want it, ask for it. And I lifted my hands like this, and I said, Holy Spirit, please come. And I'm telling you now, there's not been a single time in my entire life where I've sat and said, Holy Spirit, come, but He's not just come and moved. It's not me. It's just God's goodness. If you want the Holy Spirit, ask for it. I had a picture last night when I was um, just praying of Ray. So Jackson is Ray's grandchild. So if ja- if Ray bought Jackson a Christmas gift, and 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 it's this Christmas morning, everybody wakes up. Everybody's got their gifts ready to open. They're chomping at the bit, the kids, and um, and Jackson's ripping open gifts until it gets to Ray's gift, and Ray says, there we go, my darling grandson, or whatever Ray calls him," and he says thank you. Um, and he looks at Ray, and he looks at Debbie, and he looks at Ray, he looks at Debbie, looks at the gift, looks at Ray, look, get it? And he says, uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll open that later. And he puts it back down. It's so unusual, it's so abnormal. It's so abnormal. Yet, 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 there are believers, guys who say they follow Jesus, that are reluctant to open the gifts that this good, good, good father gives to them. He says, 11, 13, if you want the Holy Spirit, just ask for it. Don't be preoccupied. Don't lecture to God why and why not. It's like when you want to kiss someone, and they keep talking, we heard about it in the wedding course. That's such a good analogy, Nikki and uh, Ursula. And just stop talking so I can kiss you. You don't have to say, now why do you want to kiss me? Uh, what's it going to be? How long is it going to be? Is it going to be a sloppy kiss? A wet kiss? A peck on the cheek? What kind of kiss is There's actually a song, Shut Up and Dance With Me, you know, that song. The Holy Spirit, I think, is like that. So encourage. The Holy Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit is. It's the Spirit of God. And He does this. He encourages you. In the times when you're down and depressed, trust me, we are all there at times. Where do you turn? That reveals either the idol of your life or the true God of your life. Where do you turn when you're down, when you're depressed, when you're lonely, when you're at the end of your rope, when you can't solve the problem, when you can't fix the relationship, where you have no money, when you have great faith but you just don't have any willpower or any ability to, to accomplish what you feel God is putting in your heart? Where do you turn, friends? Holy Spirit, for sure, all the time. He's the encourager. The he, the word for it is He straightens the load. He is the helper. He is the encourager. <coughs> He is never discouraging. He is the comforter. The Holy Spirit has a personality. He can be grieved. He can be pleased. He can be found. He is a person. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. I hope it makes it super tangible for you. He's always with us. The Holy Spirit is the conduit. Jesus says that when we become a follower of Him, everything for life and godliness has been given to us. So wherever you want breakthrough in your life, if it's not connected to a weird world thing that you've mixed into your theology or your belief and system of God everything that you want and desire he says in John, if you pray and you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you anything in my name, I will give it to you, the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to that place anything in my name I will give it to you, he has a personality so just like unsaved people need salvation, they need to believe in the gospel and be saved, the believer needs the comfort of the Holy Spirit isn't that word beautiful? He's been talking loud like this since very early this morning. Okay. So the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. That's another thing He does. You can feel that you have a, a, a way of life and the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. That's what the Word says He does. Conviction of sin does not mean He bombards you with guilt and hyper-focuses on your weakness and your failures and, your, and, and, and the horrible things that you, that you might be. Not you guys just me, but he leads us into all truth. Truth is a big deal. Truth is a big deal, guys, because it is what sets us free. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit has the ability to convict of our sin and to lead us into all truth so that we can become freer. That's why, hence, hence my conclusion, that if you've walked with Jesus for a long time and you're still as bound as you were 10 years ago, you're probably not walking with Jesus. You have a derivative idolatrous Mentality of what the Holy Spirit is. Either that, or you're not wanting the Holy Spirit to empower you for mission. You want the Holy Spirit for yourself. And that's why there are many devotional Christians in North America. And that's why when we come to worship, which is an external demonstration of our adoration to the God that we love, follow, and serve, and absolutely trust in, as with the waters of baptism, we cannot give our bodies over to that expression. We cannot do it. Because we have a devotional God, an internal, small God, because we don't want the Spirit of God to empower us for mission, we want the Spirit of God to just make us feel happier and happier and happier the irony of that reality is no outflow always inflow dead and so even the size of a mustard seed is the most beautiful expression of that faith all of us, a grain of mustard seed, all of us, a tongue of fire all of us, the servants of God all across the world so the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. In John 16 verse 13, John 20 verse 19, He breathed into them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that's where the disciples actually received the Holy Spirit. In, in, in John 20, when He breathed into them. That word breathe, the, actual, the Aramaic actually speaks of a trumpet or a flute. Tom, if you have your trumpet here and I hold it for you over here, okay, and you blow from there, will the trumpet play? No, why not? You have to have the lips of the player on the instrument. And Jesus, this expression, the, the, again, talk to John, he'll explain it to you. It, it speaks so beautifully. What it speaks of is Jesus actually, and some scholars actually believe this. he Wright believes that Jesus went to each disciple and blew his breath into them, into their mouth. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, he breathed upon them. Just like God breathed into the lungs of Adam and Eve, the breath of life at creation, this is the new creation He's talking about, and breathed into them. That is impossible from a distance. Tom just told you. It's impossible to play a flute from there. You can blow as hard as you can. You cannot do it. You cannot do that. You have to get close. You have to get cheek to cheek, lip to lip. You have to be close. And sometimes it's literally a simple... That's stopping and taking the time and making the space. It's not cool to be too busy. It's not holy to be too busy. It's actually sin. That's what the Bible says. So the disciples receive the Holy Spirit like God did when Adam, when, Adam, when God breathed into that baptism. Okay. Um, so the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 10, testifies of the Father. That's another thing the Holy Spirit does. So He saves, He comforts, He encourages, He. He has a personality He leads us into all truth He convicts us of our sin So it's not just a If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon you friends, It's better to respond to it Because obedience is much better than sacrifice And we've developed a sacrificial system Because we don't want to obey Why? Because we're not lip to lip and we're not experiencing the breath of the Father because we want Him for us. We don't want us for Him. What baptism is all about. There has to be that surrender of everything that I have to fully submerge under the water. That's it. Same with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit, I want the nice parts of you, but I don't want you to convict me of my sin. I don't want you to empower me for mission. In fact, I want to live a life oblivious of the world around me. No. It's not our call as disciples. Our call is to go to all the nations because that's our inheritance. our inheritance. That's our inheritance. You don't have to go literally or necessarily on an organized mission. I saw Jess uh, when I was praying the other day on, um, are you involved with like an alternate school thing, right? I saw you, that's, that's right. I saw you on Instagram. You commented on something. Oh the, oh, the event page. And I thought, who's this lady? And I saw it was you. And I, and, and I was praying for you and Matt. And I, 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 I feel that, that that is her realm of influence. That is where God breathes. Not just primarily there, but you have yours. John's on the Bahamas. Amen. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, whatever. Charles leaving for Europe tomorrow for a, for a, work, to, a work trip. Des is, is, is going to spray lawns tomorrow and he's got clients and customers. And if we are saying, Holy Spirit, guys, I promise you, this is exponential. Please don't let my passion fool you. This is exponential if you get this where you go tomorrow and you say, Holy Spirit, please breathe into my spirit. I want to be aware of those who need Jesus. The world needs to be saved. This building needs to be way too small. It cannot contain the move of God. It cannot contain it. And there's no other way it's going to happen than you and I being empowered by the breath of God to change the way we live if we're living in sin, to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we're missing the point, then the power and the depth comes. Kathy had a picture this morning of of God sketching us and depth, and shadows and lines as the picture is taking shape. It comes alive. It stands. It steps out of the page. I believe God is doing this with us and He's commissioning us for the unsaved. Over and over and over and over and over again. And there's a grave danger to the reality if we ignore it. The Holy Spirit is to empower us for mission. Psalm 51 says, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me please, don't cast me away from your presence. This is David, asking God. If you read that scripture and you you examine Psalm 51, it's an amazing psalm. Most of you know Psalm 51. But it was was against the backdrop. Like, light cannot shine unless it's dark. Right? These lights are much more effective tonight than they are right now because there's lots of lateral light. But the backdrop of this reality is that it was a possibility that God, that God, David's mind would say, okay, you don't want to move, you don't want the things of my spirit, that's fine. Let me find someone who does. It's a difficult thing to communicate in our world because we know we have a God that is absolutely loving and gracious. I'm not talking about your eternal destiny. I'm talking about our current mission. Our current mission. We are the salt, we are the light. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing to be thrown out and trampled on by men. We don't want to fall into that category. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians one six, it says that the Holy Spirit brings great joy in times of suffering. Woo! So don't duck and dive suffering. Go into suffering, knowing that the Holy Spirit empowers you to have joy in suffering. Otherwise, we have no influence in the world. And I'm wrapping it up. Lastly, are you guys still okay? Who wants to know a little bit about tongues? Speaking in tongues. Okay, Linda, you and I can have a coffee. Thanks. Okay. So, so speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul speaks to the Corinthian church about order in their corporate gatherings, like, like our meetings here today. The Corinthian church at that stage was no more than 30 max, according to Wright and some other guys. So, it was a, a community, had a real funky background that came out of temple prostitution and idolatry, And the Holy Spirit came, and these guys got this gift from God, just like Jackson opened the gift of his grandfather. They took the gift, and they started to speak in tongues. And Paul brings great perspective about this, because we cannot deny it. What happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, tongues of fire, mighty rushing wind, and other languages. On the day of Pentecost, these were actual languages, because Italians understood that John doesn't speak Italian, but now he's speaking Italian and the Moroccan guys and everybody could hear these actual languages and understand that they were glorifying God in other languages while they did not naturally have the ability to speak that language so it was completely supernatural we have to the tongues of men and the tongues of angels which scripture speaks about so I'm just going to be very honest with you guys what I see in scripture 1 Corinthians 14 and we've run out of time but please go and read it it's an amazing read um, Paul says, I would rather speak five eligible words in the gathering together than a thousand of words in tongues because it's more helpful. It's more edifying. So God's goal for our times to get together like this is not just uh, so we could look cool or have great coffee, but to encourage each other in the things of God faith and faith to, and to spur each other on and to talk about the things of God. So speaking in tongues in a corporate setting has to be accompanied by either the man who speak or the woman who's speaking in tongues bringing an interpretation of what they feel the Holy Spirit has said for them to do if they don't have the language themselves. I can tell you several stories. As a child where I grew up, where we heard uh, tongues that were actual languages that uh, people ran up to interpret while the other person... the One case was the Zulu woman who spoke fluent German, high German, and there was a German lady in the crowd. There was a massive crowd. 20,000 people. She ran up to the stage and started interpreting what the Zulu woman was speaking in Germanic, high German. And, and, and that was amazing. And the church was edified. The presence of God was without a doubt there. But I remember it was a commission. It was a commission. I'm opening up the heavens over South Africa for the church to, 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 to bring in the kingdom. And so that's, that's the context of that. But Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any one of you. And for me, guys, speaking in tongues opens the spiritual realm the spiritual avenue between between me and God. And my old Sunday school teacher taught me this, and I still do believe it. If I want to speak secretly to God without the demonic interference. Okay? Because it's definitely a reality. There are lots of things in our lives that that culminate as a result of many decisions in moments of our lives that we have very little control over. Now, we have enemies under our feet, but for me, the gift of tongues immediately opens the channel for me directly to God and to God alone. So it is, it's not a self-centered gift, it's a beautiful gift that God gave us to edify us. And the scripture says that, that the gift of tongues edifies the one who speaks in the tongue. Okay. Now sometimes the Holy Spirit moves corporately among us, and some people feel moved to pray in tongues. That tongue needs to have an interpretation for the edification of the church. So that when an unbeliever walks into our midst and hears the tongue, he's immediately perplexed and amazed. Acts chapter 2 goes, wow, what is happening here? I cannot understand that. And the Bible speaks beautifully about it in in, 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 in First Corinthians 14. It's like an instrument playing. Like Like if I play the strings without holding a chord down, it'll sound like, what is that? That's what the gift of tongues is. It opens this avenue between you and God. If you're going through hard times, if you're asking God for something, I've spoken to many people, I've been there myself, where you have such a cry inside you, you can't express it, you don't know what's going on. Tongues is your gift. Tongues is your gift. Use it. The more you speak in tongues, the more you'll be edified. And the Bible says, you're praying directly the will of God into your life. That's what the Word of God says. It's eternal. It doesn't fail. So when you know you have an agenda in your emotions, or you're emotionally broken, and you cannot look objectively at a situation, But you want to pray. You can't pray, God, I wish that you would crush that guy's head and smash him to pieces. I want him to die. That's really what you want to pray in your flesh. You override your flesh and your mind by entering into the spiritual realm where you now engage in the gift of tongues. You start to pray in tongues. What the Holy Spirit does, He encourages and exhorts you and lifts your spirit and changes your mentality towards everybody else. That's what the gift of tongues does. It bypasses the puny mind. No matter how intellectual you are, it does not matter. No matter how much you think, think you are renewed in the, in, the, in the spirit of your mind, the gift of tongue bypasses the mind, and it's a direct communication with the spirit. Okay? It's a gift for absolutely everybody, but not everybody has it. Okay? And let me just tell you what the gift of tongue is not. It's not a qualification that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Please take it from me. I promise you it's the truth. If you don't agree with me, it's okay. It's okay if you don't agree with me. But it does not qualify you. It's not the proof that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not at all. But let me tell you, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you want it. You want it. It's an amazing gift. It opens up your life completely. It it brings rest. It brings refreshing. Um, And lastly, you do not lose control when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I heard a preacher once tell a story about a guy, he came into a meeting and there was one guy in the back of the meeting who was praying very loudly in tongues, okay? So, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a time for, um, for waiting for the interpretation, but no interpretation came and this guy was just super loud, super loud, became and louder and louder and louder and eventually it detracted completely away from where the psalmists were taking the worship service to this man, okay? And the pastor, Greg Boyd it was actually, walked over to the guy and said, Sir, do you mind praying a little bit softer, please? He just felt that this was not edifying the body. Now, for those of us who've grown up in the church and are used to that, oh, that's not nice. That's grieving. And anyway, the guy ignored him, so he asked him again, Sir, do you mind just praying a bit softer, please? And the guy snapped out of it as if he was, and he said, Do you think I can turn this thing on and off? And Greg said to him, Yes, you can. And the guy was so hurt. He was so offended. No, when God is moving in the place, I have lost control. No, friends. No, no. No, 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 no. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. All things for life and godliness has been given to us. We are the conduit. We are the door, the sluice gate that opens the measure to which we want the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives and through our lives. The Holy Spirit came in two ways. On us or somebody else, or in us or somebody else. So when the the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, he had no more eyes. He ripped the tower down, and all God's enemies were destroyed, and however the story goes. Came upon him for a purpose. This Holy Spirit that comes within us comes into the Spirit of man. Who knows the secrets of the heart of God but the Spirit of God? Who knows the secrets of the heart of man but the Spirit of man? But God, in all his grace and mercy, gave us his Spirit into our man's spirit so that we can collaborate and release what? The kingdom. God's agenda. Not ours. God's agenda. And you never lose control. Now you might say, what about the falling over thing? How many of you have ever fallen over in the spirit? Don't be shy. I have lots of times. The first time it ever happened to me was Rodney Arnold Brown, 1992. I walked down the middle of the aisle towards Pick- he wanted us to get back on the stage to lead worship halfway down the aisle. He looked at me. I think he wanted to say something. I've never remembered to this day what he said. He pointed at me. It was a massive meeting, and I just felt he pointed directly at me. And as he pointed at me, I felt the presence of God like a like a wave, and I fell back like three, four meters, and I lay there for two hours just under the presence of God. Now, you might say, well, that's God taking taking you over and you're losing control. No, no, I was in full control. I was all there. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew the Lord was on me. And th- the most common description of the Holy Spirit coming on people is liquid love. It's the love of God. I'd never experienced the love of God as I had in times when the Holy Spirit was, was I say it's like, over, overcoming my soul, overcoming me. But I had to give myself into that. I had to give myself into that. There's a story of three boys that came up and to be prayed for, everybody was slain in the spirit. It was a mighty meeting with Matt Redman and Mike Pavalacci. Mike prayed for the one kid on the one side. He fell over. The other kid fell over. All three, their eyes were closed. But they were like 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. They'd never seen this before. But two kids fell, fell over in the spirit. And the third kid just had his eye closed. And eventually, Mike prayed for him. He had the eyes closed. He stood. And then he opened his eyes after Mike moved on. He saw his both friends were lying down. So he just fell over. So Mike didn't go to him and say, Get up, you fake that, you fool. No. No, I think we mystify this thing so much. The most important thing is, do not resist the Holy Spirit. If God gives you something, friends, I beg of you today, you have two choices. If God gives you something, either share it, give it, open the gate, open the flow, or keep it for yourself. And block the flow. God gives you something, either share it or block it. Share it or keep it. Obey or find another way to sacrifice. So my, my thing is always to give. And I have a slight problem with that because sometimes when I'm standing up here, I look at people and I feel they have something to give. Like particular people, I can look at them and then sometimes I stare them down. Warwick's like the worst because he won't look at you. Once he knows he's got something, he knows I'm going to call him out, he's just like... <laughs> just like. It's like trying to force feed a kitten or something. It's like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah, I would love for our corporate times together as a community to be, to, to be much more of that. I'm not talking everything from the front. No, 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 no. When you come here on a Sunday morning, it's to edify, to encourage, to equip. Some of you have serious gifts, and we're going to get into that as the book of Acts goes, goes on. The gifts of the Spirit are incredible. They are without repentance. That's why you, you can't have them without community and, 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 and be able to live long. The gifts of the Spirit of God outside of community will kill you. It'll destroy you. It'll wipe you out. It's too much. You need everything He's working out within community because that's the body. That's the bride, the multi of thing. Okay? Amen. So please don't be spooky about the Holy Spirit. He's wonderful. We need Him to empower us for mission. Okay? So I'm going to just ask us to stand together.